0: Welcome to the Misophonia Podcast. This is episode 24. My name's Adil Mann, and I have misophonia. This week, I'm bringing a conversation with Isabel, who lives in London, England. She's in her early 20s, and has had miso from a young age, like most of us. It's really accelerated, though, in the last few years, but she's also recently found out what it is, like most of us, and is taking steps to deal with it. She's also at the beginning of her work career, and so we talk about being at the beginning of your career, knowing you have me, So, and what she hopes the future holds. You can tell by listening to this episode that it was recorded in pre-COVID-19 times. It's the last of that batch of interviews. The next episode you hear, you'll hear you hear hasn't even been recorded yet. Speaking of COVID, um, I hope everyone's hanging in there and taking advantage of this time away from other people's sounds has at least... One positive thing from this. I've actually had a past interviewee reach out and want to share their MISO experience during lockdown, so I might bring that. If you'd like to talk, just hit me up via email, hello at misophoniapodcast.com, or send a message on Instagram at misophoniapodcast, or on Twitter at misophonia show. Now here's Isabel. Welcome, Isabel, to the podcast. Good to have you here. Thank you so um yeah as you you're a listener of the podcast so uh you know i usually just kind of like start by asking you know where whereabouts are you and and what kind of what 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 you kind of do
1: so i'm uh, i'm in london i'm 23 so i graduated um last year and since then i've worked a little bit in the publishing industry just through internships and um, a temporary role um i work as a bookseller at the moment just in a bookstore for the christmas period um yeah so that's that's me I guess.
0: Excellent yeah cool um and uh yeah and I guess uh so listeners don't know this but you you just had like a interview earlier before this um yes. so I guess you're 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 looking for a, a job so t- let's start by talking about uh kind of your your recent kind of work environments and, and how um how they've been for you.
1: I mean it is always difficult there's always these. Invisible barriers that, for me, I think they stop me from doing things as well as I'd like to. Mm -hmm. Um, It's quite hard when you're, whether it's in an office and you're on a computer and people around you are triggering you and you've just got to pretend that everything is fine. Um, In my old role, sometimes I could just put in headphones and everything would be all right. Um, Being in a a bookshop, though, it's a lot harder because you can't do something like that. You're in a customer-facing role and... I I feel like if I actually responded as I would like, as I typically mm-hmm. would to triggers, people would just think I was insane.
0: and they right, would run, I... run out of the store. <laughs> and I guess in the, in the books, it's kind of like a library where you have to be extra quiet. And so those triggers are just kind of extra deafening when they when they happen i guess yeah
1: that's probably the hardest part because everything is just so heightened like i've worked in restaurants and cafes before where there might have been you know loud music playing or there might have been really loud clanking or maybe the dishwasher was behind me or whatever it was and it would drown out those noises i mean there <laughs> would be visual triggers but i could pretend that i was looking really hard at my screen or something as i was normally on the till and it would just be a lot easier to avoid those noises so even though books are a lot more interesting for me. It is a lot Mm. harder to actually be in that environment.
0: Any any chance to blast any terrible Christmas music um, in the bookstore?
1: Uh, There was one day when we had a Christmas event in the evening. It was really great, actually, as they had live music. They were playing Christmas songs, and someone was actually playing the saxophone over the top of it, and it was such a relief. Mm -hmm. Um, But normally there isn't really anything playing i'm hoping um as it's the week before christmas i'm hoping they will start doing that but it gotcha. doesn't seem like the sort of place where they would
0: gotcha so um yeah so you're so you're 23 so um i guess working working i guess we might as well go way back um when when are your kind of your first rough memories or, or around when when you realized you had something was something was off i
1: mean it started when I was really young actually although it wasn't that severe I remember being maybe eight or nine and my brother used to who's very similar in age to me used to like belch a lot and he found it really funny Hmm. Uh, when I was six or seven I found it funny and then as the years went on I started getting increasingly angry with him and kind of screaming at him to stop and it obviously seemed like I was just being really unreasonable um, that's the earliest memory I have. But things got significantly worse when I was maybe 11, um, getting seated next to particular people in school who might make a very repetitive sound, and gradually those sounds would start to trigger me. Um, things became worse throughout throughout secondary school, and it made it really hard to concentrate, actually. but Did it uh, start
0: to affect your grades and whatnot?
1: It did. There was one lesson my English class when I was about 16 where it got so bad that I actually just had to wear earplugs for most lessons and just kind of hope that the teacher wouldn't call on me and um, mm-hmm. if she did I'd have to react really quickly but I ended up just teaching myself a lot of that course um, which wasn't too challenging as English has always been my strong point um, but it was I think it was a detriment on my grades um, Especially in exams, that was really hard.
0: Yeah, yeah, we've done. The exams have come up a lot uh, in in these episodes. Um, so th- that's interesting. So your um, your brother was kind of your first trigger, and it was actually something that you found enjoyable at first, and then it flipped at some point. Or was it was it kind of gra- was it gradual over the years, or were there? Do you remember like um, a short period of time where it might have flipped?
1: Um, I'm not sure. I think I was probably around nine when it flips i Mm -hmm. i think maybe with the increased frequency i just started to think oh no actually i really don't like this noise but the more i react to it the more he does it because he just found it quite funny i mean i didn't actually open up to my parents about how bad this was for years because i thought everyone would just think i was crazy i thought i was crazy before i knew what it actually was so i just kept it to myself
0: how, yeah, how did you how did you, rea- or how did you how did you react or did you bottle up or or did you i don't know punch him or how did you...
1: <laughs> I think I got quite angry when i was mm. when I was a kid um, when it first started, I would like yell at him to stop or um i mean because it, it gave me that feeling of just wanting to run away, wanting to cry
0: Fight or flight uh, yeah
1: being really young, i didn't know how to express that um now i'm a, i guess I'm an expert at suppressing it. Um, so I don't express things as much anymore.
0: Did your parents uh, notice it at all?
1: Um, I think they just thought I was trying to get at him. When we were uh, kids, we used to kind of thing, argue right? a lot. So yeah, that was a big thing for us.
0: And did they did your triggers uh, expand to them at all, your parents? Or um, like, did they start triggering you?
1: They have a lot more recently in the past mm. few years, which is probably the worst part that everyone that... I care about does have a a trigger that affects me Um, in different settings, whether it's eating or maybe a sound from the other room. It feels like any situation with family, I'm having to really focus on how I'm going to navigate it. It stops you from actually enjoying the presence of people as much as, as much as you'd like to. And I'm sure that's very common for a lot of people.
0: Very. And, but you've, you've, um, you've chosen kind of like to just kind of hide it from, from everybody.
1: Um, Now I'm a lot more honest about it with my Mm -hmm. family and my friends. So my family are often really sensitive and my friends are brilliant as well. They've um, like researched the condition a bit once I actually try to explain things for them. Um, I used to just hide it um, as much as I could Um, say on in secondary school, we would go on theater trips. I studied drama when I was uh, 16, 17. And the noises in the audience were just awful for me. And I would just hope that I wouldn't like start crying and that my friends wouldn't notice. Um, But as I've got older, I mean, in my adult life, I've actually been able to share stuff with my friends and they've all been brilliant. And my family have been the same.
0: That's amazing. That's great to hear. And and did you, when did you find out that it had a name?
1: Uh, It was completely by chance. I was about 15, 14, maybe, and I, used to go on these websites about like, you know, weird facts and uh, stuff like that and um, one of them was, oh, there's a condition called misophonia that um, you know, explained that it's a hatred of certain sounds and I thought, oh, that sounds interesting and so I mm-hmm. googled it and I was like, oh my gosh, this is me and then my life just completely made sense and it was such mm-hmm. a relief that it was actually a condition And How long
0: ago was that, roughly?
1: That was a about seven or eight years ago, maybe? Okay. Yeah, but, um, sometime in high school. Yeah, I didn't actually tell anyone about it for a while. It was a good few years. And I think, like, my family were generally just still quite confused about it because I was a bit scared of actually saying, this is a condition that I think I have.
0: What, what scared you about that?
1: I don't know, really. It was. um I've always been quite withdrawn, I guess. And I, mm-hmm. I don't really like the attention being on me. And I thought, oh, it would just be a a thing that makes me stand out. And my family will think it's a bit weird.
0: Yeah, and every time you walk into a room, people will be... You don't want them, like, staring at you, wondering if you're being triggered. Um, mm. So as you were getting more triggers, um, did visual triggers also come up, too, other than auditory?
1: Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, since... I had to basically live most of my life in headphones. I feel like the condition basically found its way of just worming itself into every aspect of my life. So being in really crowded places is very difficult. It's often the noises. um, It's often uh, the movements that I associate with the trigger sounds. And um, it gives me the exact same feeling that the sounds do now, which is quite sad. It feels like nowhere's really safe anymore.
0: Yeah, and it's so like it's
1: just it's, another thing to worry about.
0: Yeah, so it's 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 an interesting way to put it. It's creeping into your other senses. Um, so even if you've got headphones on, if there are visual triggers or movement triggers, it's I guess the definition of Um They will your brain will associate that.
1: Yeah, um, I mean it makes things like public transport just unbearable. Oh God, yeah. I used to be able to like zone out on my way to work or whatever school but now um I mean in my last job and in my current job actually I'm having to get the train every day and being in that really crowded environment I've got my headphones as loud as they will go and my eyes closed and it probably looks a bit strange but I really don't care it's just about like surviving that situation
0: yeah I feel like yeah yeah tube trains they they shouldn't have they should maybe have the uh chair benches pointing out so you can mm. look outside instead of looking at yeah. the other freaks on the on the on the train
1: yeah
0: um and so yeah so you do so you do headphones and you and you close your eyes uh are there any other kind of like uh, little habits or tricks or or coping mechanisms that that you've come up with
1: um Sometimes I find that rubbing my thumb against my forefinger kind of helps mm-hmm. me to focus my attention on something else. Um, it's something that I do to just kind of manage that anxiety. Obviously, it doesn't actually stop the physical response yeah. or anything, but it is something that I've managed to take a bit of comfort from. Um, other than that, it's mostly just avoidance. Like at work, I'll make a make an excuse to like go into the the back room and say I'm like, checking on the stock or whatever it is right um just to get like a a minute of like respite from all those noises
0: and Um, employers if you're listening this is a good thing you don't want to have your employee freak out so let them go back there whatever they need to do um and and do they give you so accommodations at work come up come up a lot um have you had to talk about this with any of your past employers i know you're relatively young so you probably haven't had a ton of jobs experience but
1: no, employers just have no idea. Um, mm-hmm. It's something that my friends and family know about, something I share tweets about sometimes um, and articles when I see them, but um, it's not something that I've ever actually like disclosed to an employer. Mm-hmm. So I feel like just the whole having to explain what it is and um, is really difficult, actually. I find it so hard to actually sum up what the condition is. Online, it's a bit easier as you have, say, a good article that breaks it breaks it down really well and articulates it in a way that i probably couldn't um it's just not a territory that i've actually gone into with employers so
0: yeah it's weird it's one of the things it's so clear to us but then when we open our mouths it's like uh how do i make this not sound yeah uh weird or just trivial because everyone gets annoyed by sounds, but you know, you gotta like explain how, okay, it's much, much different than that.
1: Mm, that's a response I've had so many times mm-hmm. actually. I mean, when I was really young, I uh, not really young, but when I was um, in high school, like, um, maybe 15, I did try and try explaining it to one of my friends who didn't really have the understanding at the time. And she said, oh, a lot of people get annoyed by sounds. And I think the impression was that I was kind of making it up for attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that scared me a bit and stopped me from actually like talking about it because I just found that I couldn't articulate it i um I found myself going like, so I know no one likes the sound of you know, whatever it is, but for me, it's different, and it's so hard when they don't have that experience to actually explain what it's like.
0: yeah. Yep, no, uh, yeah, a lot of us have uh run into that, that's very, yeah, very common too. Mm. It, and did you what What kind of other reactions were you getting from from friends or family members over the years?
1: Um, my parents were worried at first, I think. I'm like my dad took me to the doctor,
0: okay? Um, so he took you to like a audiologist or like a therapist, or
1: just exactly? um, our our R- R- GP, um, it was, um, it was. A negative experience. I mean, he was there trying to explain, like, she looks like she's actually in pain when she hears these noises. And the, the doctor just said, um, well, no one likes these, these sounds. And I just got a very dismissive response. Yeah. Um, so that really made me quite scared. And then, um, I mean, a few years later, I spoke to, uh, to a doctor about it and they tried me with like cbt but obviously um a lot of the time that relates to exposure therapy and things like that and it just wasn't right for me because the issue was that i was exposed to those sounds all the time and it didn't stop me from getting that reaction
0: god it's that the cbt cognitive behavioral therapy right yeah 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 and what how did your uh what did your dad say after that uh that initial that experience with that first doctor
1: well I, I can't really remember. I mean, we were both kind of disappointed as, I think, um, gotcha. like we were kind of hoping for a bit more mm-hmm. in, like enlightenment on what was actually going on. Um, but I mean I've, I spoke to a, a therapist a lot more recently who was who had actually heard of the condition and was really understanding and like really brilliant about it, so it's not been, it's not been all bad.
0: This is a local one in London. Yeah. Got gotcha. you. Okay. Cool. Um, and, and has uh, has that therapist give, been able to help in any coping mechanisms, or or just uh, or is it more just somebody to kind of talk to?
1: It was really just someone to talk to. Um, mm-hmm. Just it was really brilliant to actually have someone who understood um, understood the condition and had actually heard of it, and I didn't have to go through the whole explaining what it was um i could just kind of vent about it which was really good especially being someone from outside of my family i feel like i don't want to you know talk exclusively to to anyone about it because it feels a bit like being a burden but when it's you know like a therapist it's like their job to actually
0: (laughs) right right yeah you but you'd be surprised how many how many therapists don't uh don't take them seriously in this, mm. in this uh, for this condition. Do you, have you met other people who have misophonia?
1: Uh, no, actually. I mean, you're the first person that I've spoken to. I have just come across people online. Yeah. Um, There's
0: got to be a lot in London. There, there must be some way to... I, I know the UK actually has quite a bit of... Um, when I read about, I don't know, groups on, on Facebook or whatnot, um, there seems to be a big UK presence, so... Uh, I don't know. If you were interested, I'm sure there's uh, there's a lot of people in London who are yeah. open about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've never met any of these people, but I would like to.
0: Yeah, there, that's something that came up in uh, in the past few months. Is like there seems to be people who are more interested in kind of doing meetups and, and meeting up to talk about it. Initially, I thought I think everyone thought, oh, a bunch of misophones getting together, it sounds like a disaster. But uh, <laughs> I think uh, I think I think there's uh, there's a lot of comfort that comes with hanging out together. So,
1: yeah, um, I think just people having that awareness of, like, other people's potential triggers, um, everyone would be really sensitive, I think, in that situation, just having that understanding there.
0: It is, and it's interesting, yeah, to kind of be on the other side and, and try not to trigger other people. Um, I know here in the States we have uh, some email groups, we got some. We have, like, a couple of weekly um, conference calls that happen. And oh, so cool. It might be interesting to set up, um, I don't know, maybe we can talk offline or figure out how to get that happening in europe mm. but, um that's interesting so in um so did it affect so going back to just kind of high school I was just curious about kind of like social life in high school uh, you know before you maybe knew what it was or you were telling many people you know was it affecting um i guess you said you were kind of a withdrawn person anyways do you think that's kind of was kind of related to your misophonia did or kind of did that start it or was it a um consequence of it
1: i don't think it was i've been really quiet like for as long as i can remember really i think it did just mean that when it came up i was inclined to just keep it to myself rather than actually telling anyone about it for ages um it didn't used to impact me the way that it does now i remember i used to be able to like go to the cinema with friends uh, go for meals out without having to worry too much whereas now I'm thinking how am I going to get there is it a setting that I can actually manage um,
0: yeah. so that's just in the last few years that it's kind of really um, accelerated
1: yeah probably the last I, I remember my reactions got really bad maybe seven years ago before then um, most situations were manageable um, after that I would put up with Settings that I found really, really difficult, and just try not to react. Um, but now there are just some some things that I absolutely can't do. But can't my friends do. are really understanding about that, so we usually work something out that isn't going to be really triggering and detract from us actually enjoying like each other's company.
0: What were uh, kind of college years like?
1: Oh, was, that was that was hard. Um, mm-hmm. I tended to avoid lectures or just kind of stand at the back of the lecture theater so that I felt like I could get out the door if it got really bad. Um, I studied, um, literature with creative writing. So we had mostly seminars rather than lectures, which was a lot better actually as, um, I didn't encounter anyone actually like eating in class or anything like that. So that was quite lucky. Um, Sometimes um, it would be quite hard, actually, if we were on the ground floor and I was near a window and I could hear say, like, I mean, coughing is a big trigger for me. Oh, yeah. If I had someone go past and, like, cough outside the window, that would be really awful. But things weren't too terrible. I think I was a bit more cut off than non- students normally would be, as I did kind of live my life in campus um, wearing headphones pretty much all the time.
0: Did you have roommates?
1: No, um I mean I had flatmates but I had the room to myself. Oh, so okay. yeah. yeah, things weren't things weren't really bad in the flat. I just spent a lot of time in my room, I guess. But none of none of my my, my flatmates actually triggered me at all.
0: Oh wow. Lucky you. That's great. Yeah. And, and did you have to um you know being in literature creative writing, did you have to like listen to somebody you know read their work and you're just like just drink some water please <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? um or or was it general was it generally fine like it was more writing and then kind of like silently reviewing other other people's works
1: generally it was all right actually we were quite like engaged with each other reading out extracts and getting mm-hmm. involved with discussion giving feedback but um I, it got to a point where I felt quite safe in those classes because there were just very rarely any triggers. So it, it, for me, I was, I was lucky that it didn't affect that area of my study.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay, great. Um, and so how, and how have, um, so yeah, we talked about, uh, you know, uh, this is, this. I don't know when this will post, this will post probably not for another few months or so, just because I've had such a backlog. You're actually, this is actually the last recording of the year. Um, ah. You have, you have that kind of honor, but unfortunately that means that it might not, it might not um, post until like March or April or so, just because there's been so many. Um, but anyways, one of, the point I was trying to get to is that um, since the holidays are coming up and you know, you've been dealing with it at, at work. Um, uh, how are, uh, how do you prepare for kind of holidays with family? I guess Ugh. they're pretty accommodating, but I'm, I'm curious, you know, there's, there's all kinds of, I don't know if you go to church church is a disaster sometimes, but um, even, you know, family home, family meals can be a bit of a challenge.
1: Yeah, I mean I haven't been to church in years because um the last time I was in church maybe 8 or 9 years ago I like started crying and had to leave early so mm-hmm. that just doesn't happen anymore. Um having family around is is not is not um I mean it's difficult. Um they do know that I have misophonia but I think that they don't quite understand it as much as my immediate family like they might um think that it's being with a lot of people, that I struggle with, or being with loud noises. Um, whereas it's it's the very specific sounds that um, they do increase in frequency as there are more people with more triggering sounds. Um, so yeah, meal meal, meal time is going to be going to be difficult. But I tend to just kind of lean on one hand and have a hand like subtly over my ear so that I can try and block out the noise with like my yeah. own sound um it's just kind of getting through it it is sad that like I can't enjoy it as much as other people but that is something that I'm quite used to now
0: yeah I guess with meals like I'm sure we we think about like how do we you know how do I eat quickly or tell ourselves that you know it's just for another half hour or so and then I can run for those headphones um
1: yeah I'll probably find an excuse to like play music really loudly play some mm -hmm. Christmas songs or something um, yeah, yeah
0: right. Get really hey, I'm really festive. Let me blast some uh, yeah. loud uh, Michael Bublé or something. <laughs> um, and so um, I guess yeah, I guess we should, we'll start wrapping up soon. I'm curious, uh, just going back to the fact that uh, you, you did have an interview earlier. I'm I'm curious, like you know, you're you're still young. Like you have um, a long career ahead of you. Have you thought about um, you know career paths and, and related, especially related to misophonia? Uh, Have you thought about kind of what kind of jobs that you'd like to do ideally?
1: I know I want to work in publishing Mm -hmm. and um, I mean, I'm quite interested in nonfiction around um, like possibly around titles, around kind of neurodivergence and different Mm -hmm. issues like misophonia that I think people just don't know anything about. I would really love to see a book like published about it coming from like drawing on people's experiences. I mean, if I was an editor that, is something that i would love to do um but i i just know that i want to work with books and kind of hope that um hope that having misophonia doesn't detract from that too much i mean it it's challenging but yeah i i hope i get to work with books and enjoy it as much as i can
0: that's fantastic well um yeah um uh, isabel i want to thank you for uh for coming on the podcast and um um, the holidays will be long ago by the time it's post but uh, I wish, wish you a good holiday and uh, uh, you too and um, yeah and good luck good luck in 2020 with, thank you uh, with Miso.
1: thank you very much for having me on
0: thank you for listening as I said it's pretty obvious that this was recorded before coronavirus hit I'll be going back to the microphone soon to record new interviews I can't wait to have more conversations about Miso especially now please leave a five-star review if you like the show, in iTunes. The music this week is by Moby, and until next week, wishing you good health, peace, and quiet.